Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Old Guard New Blood, uh, Majestic's monthly or periodic podcast. And this is issue uh, 34. Uh, and today we're talking about how to uh, train the AI machines. Google has, uh, for many, many years, um, been uh, into machine learning, and uh, a huge number of things have happened. Uh, and uh, I've got a brilliant cast with me, uh, a cast with me as uh, as normal. Uh, and uh, I'm going to uh, ask them all to introduce themselves in a second. Uh, we've already got one question in the chat, which uh, we, uh, we we thought we'd start off with because uh, uh, Windy, Windy City Parrot seemed to uh, come up with a question, so we might bring that up straight away. But before we do, uh, why don't we ask everybody to introduce themselves? Jess, why don't you start? Tell us about who you are and where do you come from? All right. Uh, thank you, Dixon. I'm Jess. I am a recovering technical SEO, and I work as a machine learning operations engineer at, at Local SEO Guide. And um, I live in Boston, but I have an English accent because I grew up in England. And for you, Halloween goes for all of November, right? It's, <laughs> it's until Christmas, maybe right. beyond. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, thanks. Miriam, who are you and where do you come from? Oh, that's a complicated one. So I'm originally from Paris, France, um, but I grew up in Hawaii and um, currently I'm located in Italy. That sounds very, very cool. <laughs> I want to have grown up in Hawaii. <laughs> Jeannie, how I about you? <laughs> yeah, not as uh, not as cool as everyone else. I, uh, you know, born in Luton, nice big up Luton. Um, and now I live in London. So I'm the Knowledge Graph Manager for InLinks. Thanks for coming along. And Marco, how about you? Who are you? Where are you? Where do you come from? Hello. So of course, you know, my name is Marco. I come from Sicily, South Italy. Now I live in Zurich, so German Switzerland. And of course, well, my focus is on content for B2C as well, B2B sometimes and analytics. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming along, guys. And just uh, before we dive into to the sessions itself, I, I just want to bring in our producer, David. Uh, David, uh, have I missed anything this morning? This afternoon, I'm, this evening, depending on where you are in the world. Indeed. Uh, not that I can think of. I just want to say we get plenty of listeners on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And it would be good just to get a few more people um, watching along live and actually interacting live because it's a great opportunity to ask questions about the particular topic that we're covering. So if that sounds like you, um, if you're listening to this on some kind of podcast platform, Sign up at majestic.com slash webinars next time, and then hopefully we'll see you live and with us for the next episode. Okay, so before we get into everything uh, and start with uh, Mitch Resman's question, uh, what I like to do at the top of every uh, every show is, uh, you know, for, for anybody that doesn't have time to go through the 45 minutes or, or so of the podcast or just wants to have a quick takeaway tip, um, if you're trying to, you know, influence, you know, the AI within within Google in any way, shape, or form, uh, have you got some kind of tip that you can give people that they can uh, take away with and, and and use? And Marco, why don't I start with you um, for an idea? Yeah, actually, one of the best tips that is underrated, in my opinion, is checking your sentences. What I mean is that machines are able to understand you know, how your, your sentence is structured. Like, this is a subject, this is an object, this is a predicate. So if you have a page, let's say, about gaming laptops, a great idea would be to use gaming laptops 
as a subject or in central positions rather than, you know, barely mentioning it at the end of a sentence. So it's not just about keywords, but also about the position of what you are telling me, especially for machines. That's a brilliant idea. We might come back to some of the tools that you might use to help you help you do that a little later on. That's a, that's a, yeah. that's a good one. Jeannie, what about you? Thought for you. Um, so I guess my biggest tip will be um, using that same as tag in schema markup. So a uh, big one for entity SEO and um, uh, marking up entities to, to tell Google what you're talking about always is is a brilliant idea. And I think there's so much you can do with that in terms of machine learning. And um, it, it's like the ultimate influencer uh, in, in a way, because it's it's just speaking Google's language. Um, so t- yeah. Telling the machines, t- telling the machine what, it's, what it should be understanding. What it yeah. should be understanding. <laughs> look at look at these bits, not these bits. I mean, brilliant. you can be you can be as subtle and as uh, obvious as you like with machine learning, I think, in a lot of times. And Brilliant. Uh, to different effects. Thank you. Miriam, what about you? Got, got a thought for you? I do have a tip, but it's an unusual one. Be meme-worthy because humans function like this, right? So, be, Sorry, be what-worthy? Be, be meme-worthy. Dominate Reddit with whatever you want, and that will send a very, very strong message. One of the reasons I know that Betty White was older than sliced bread is because Reddit really loved this. <laughs> that means I've got to go and do Reddit. And I hate Reddit because they hate me. <laughs> okay, brilliant tip. Jess, what about you? Make sure that uh, you check your content for being understandable on a machine basis and being understandable um, when you uh, use different, uh, like make sure it's accessible to machines as well as people. Make sure that your content is clear and make sure that that feeds into everything else because if you don't have that fundamental right, nothing else will matter. Okay, so, so and that's kind of so similar but different to, to 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 Marco, but it kind of makes the point that you know, uh, badly written content is not just about writing about the wrong things. It's about you know, uh, not not writing in a way that um, a people uh, people people can that, that machines can understand because machines are kind of like little kids when they're trying to understand this code, aren't they? It's like simple sentences a machine will understand complicated sensitivities not so much so there's tools out there those would you say grammarly and hemingway they're two sort of structured tools and things is that is that helpful for machine machine learning helping helping the machines learn any other tools that you use jess i i think um those are some good tools both for that and for understanding the ways that machines can fall short in understanding like sentence structure like i'm sure everyone's used Grammarly and had it flag a word that makes sense and is the word you want to use and it tries to replace it with something different. Um, And so being able to see the kind of gaps in your content where you are making sense to a person because people can make better connections than machines can um, and using things like Grammarly can help with that. But also um, if you use a tool like uh, OpenAI's um, like GPT-3 if you put your content in there and ask it to summarize that. 
yeah. not ask it to summarize that content, you can see what a machine would take away, or a very sophisticated natural language machine could take away from the same content that you're writing and see if it aligns with what you actually want. So for the audience that don't know GTP3, oh, well, Marion, Miriam, when you yeah. uh, talk, when explain what GTP, GPT3 is as well. Yeah. Well, but be, before I do that, I just wanted to say that you don't necessarily need an expensive tool because right now Google Docs does this for you as well. You can just copy paste your content in there and click on the top left saying, hey, give me the summary. And if the summary is disappointing, you know something's off. Actually, that's that's a that's a good way to do it as well. Absolutely. Brilliant. Uh, and yeah, and so so for the folks out there that haven't heard of GPT-3 or GPT-4, it's a it's a system where it just writes auto, it automatically generates text out of uh, a few ideas really or in this case reverses that and takes a lot of text and scintillates it down to a few ideas. So. Okay, so let's talk on to Mitch Resmond dived in before we uh, before we started. We, we none of us know who Rich Resmond is. So hi, Rich. Uh, we looked you up uh, and uh, windycityparrot.com. Big shout out to you. Um, I, I wasn't allowed to actually see it because he wanted to check to see if I was a human. But anyway, um, I guess you miss Rank Brain and Hummingbird updates. I, 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 and we kind of we, we kind of smiled at that and thought that's memory lane. So perhaps we, it's uh, it's kind of where AI you know, for most of us all started really, isn't it? The machine learning. So, you know, uh, does somebody want to summarize uh, what Rank Brain and Hummingbird uh, did? I just wanted to say that it terrorized SEOs back in the day, like every single new thing that Google brings about. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, Rank Brain, uh, Hummingbird, anyone want to summarize? Do you want to put, want me to go in there? <laughs> so Rank Brain and Hummingbird uh pretty early implementations of machine learning in uh, machine learning in search. Um, the hummingbird was uh, like a very early language NLP kind of idea. Um, and but the moves but, but the world's moved on, right? Uh, but I think the fundamental, like, what they're trying to do is the same, which is Google wants mm. to rely on ML to, like, not have to rely on the stuff that SEOs can manipulate as much. This is a big thing. I remember when they rolled out, people were like, what can I do to optimize for this? And Google kept saying, there's nothing that you can do. Yes. And here we are today talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I—I I mean, Hummingbird was even before before they bought MetaWeb, right? So before they bought Freebase, which is you know that the, the their initial knowledge graph was pretty much they bought Freebase and built on it. Um, so it was it was quite early. But now, of course, I think a lot of uh, um, uh, a lot of people uh, see the machine learning all about training training Google's knowledge graph and training the uh, the underlying. Uh, entities and, and the connections between the ideas and the entities. Um, so, so you know, I mean, does anyone want to jump in and say, you know, in simple terms, how machine learning works? How I mean, for example, how does Google recognize the difference between a cat and a dog? Just uh, for those that, that you know, how would you go? How would you go about that? Uh, machine learning is the like basically. Can you make it? programs without a computer being explicitly programmed. So traditional programming, you 
say, print this, it prints this. Machine learning is trying to get computers to get to print this without telling it to. Um, and so the things you mostly need to know about machine learning are there's supervised and unsupervised machine learning. Supervised is like where the data gets labeled. So that's a lot of the machine learning that traditionally happened was uh, you get a bunch of photos of dogs and you label them all dogs and you feed it into an algorithm and the algorithm learns this is a dog. Um, and then there's classification, which is, uh, and, um, which is, and prediction and things like that. And then unsupervised machine learning is where the program learns without the labeling. So you put data in and it clusters stuff together and you get those clusters out. And that's kind of become more the vogue. Stuff like stable diffusion is a lot more of uh, unsupervised because it's more about learning patterns and then replicating those patterns rather than learning with the labels. I'd love to dive in because um, one of the things that I do is train people. So I didn't say that at the start of the podcast, but I'm an SEO trainer and I get asked to explain the nuances between machine learning and artificial intelligence quite a lot. And what I like with what Jess is bringing about is let's take a step back and consider machines, you know, from a different standpoint. I have a wiener dog and my wiener dog is a little machine. I got her when she was a very young puppy and we did some supervised training and she still managed to learn what I would consider the wrong things. So let me get on with that. We decided to train her to pee outside. And what she learned was every time I bend over, I get a treat. So 15 fake peas later, we had to go down together to one at the front with a treat and one at the back checking if this is truly happening because we were running out of treats. This is literally what we want to discuss today. And when it comes to unsupervised, well, the dog quickly learned, because I travel a lot, every time the luggage comes out, it means that we are on the move. So now she sits in the luggage saying, do not forget me. I'm coming with you. So while these things are super cute, you can see the parallel that we have going on with machines. This is what we are trying to get to. So, and Gina, you, you're involved in effectively the supervising of the learning on, on, in, your, in, our, in, in the knowledge, in knowledge graph. So what kind of things do you have to do? What happens when the machine goes wrong? How do you fix the machine? Oh, well, okay. Fixing the machine is a whole different thing. I was going to, to, to go back onto what we were just talking about, I suppose what, what I was thinking is um, uh, what Miriam was saying is how, how human it, I have to be to fix the machine, how human I have to empathize. I have to empathize with the machine because it's trying to see things like a human would. And often, I mean, I wrote a blog post about this, how um, basically uh, what, what we're trying to do with our, within the inlinks NLP and our, the knowledge graph and stuff is um, train it to be as human as possible, right? Which is obviously the game, aim of the game for a lot of machine learning. But um, so, so, <laughs> Uh, there's a thing called uh, schema, and I'm not talking about tech SEO schema. I'm talking about um, actually how you, as a human, view the world. And um, the thing that I've really learned about machine learning is is how similar we're just trying to to sort of copy and paste 
comprehension almost like uh, the very basics of how we perceive the world so when I'm trying to do uh fix the the knowledge graph if things go wrong I have to look at context so if it's getting confused between cat and dog I have to look at why the context around cats is maybe overlapping with dog and in a way often it does because you know there's the there's the context that they they're both pets or they're both they're, both they're animals, these things yeah, and you need got to four feet, yeah yeah exactly and it's not so much even that it might be in one piece of text cat and dog are the same vague entity because they fall under pet and that's the complicated thing that you need to be really patient with in machine learning because it's something that actually you know until you're about five years old anyway you're not going to understand the difference um so i guess there is a sort of element of going Mm, this is never going to be perfect because actually understanding this in a human context is not even that perfect all the time. So I guess that's kind of how I'm viewing this. It's just Brilliant. how human it is. Yeah. Marco, well, but yeah. let, let, Marco, do you want to come in with anything? Yeah, I want to say one thing that we often forget, and it's about what you don't mention. Because we are used to adding entities or adding keywords, just adding stuff but never about removing stuff, no? Much like search intent, when a page is too long, maybe the intent is not to buy. Could be, it's possible. If it is a product page, there are some elements that hint to machines, this is a product page, most likely. The same goes a for price. the content. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you mention some words, like, I don't know, bulldoze or tire, they are not related to cats, to the, to the animals, right? So a machine is able to tell, okay, then this is not an animal, is it? So that's what I just wanted to point out, yeah. Excellent. Uh, um, Miriam, were you dying to jump in with something there? Yes, one of the comments. Jack was saying yeah. that basically we are describing the premise of the Matrix and Termina Terminator franchises. And I just want to say that, Jack, if I remember correctly, the first Matrix movie, the machines wanted to fix you. And all of us. <laughs> well, this this is this is you know always the uh, the, the double edged sword with training the machines, isn't it? Um, they might learn, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, I, I think uh, uh, certainly certainly the matrix or the flickers in the matrix is kind of an interesting thing because it's where it's where knowledge graphs and, and where machine learning goes wrong in, in some of the areas. And we, before we came on, one of uh, Miriam, you were talking about um uh, the uh, the um the fact that you know machine learning can very easily decide that all monarchs are kings for example when clearly that's a a, a, a lie and so bias gets into the system very dramatically doesn't it um if you're if you're not very careful with the machine learning yes and one of the things that we discussed um early on with with Jess when we were talking about this podcast is Quickly, a chatbot made by Microsoft can turn into a Nazi. It took less than 24 hours. Mm. And we also face certain problems um, rather often. We see where the machines, quote unquote, fail, and we either can choose to take it for granted and say, it is what it is, and it's sad, or we can simply say, hey, it's our responsibility, first and foremost, as SEOs, to try and fix this. 
or as human beings to say, hey, we disagree with this, which ties mm. into an old school thing. So I don't know if you remember Google bombings. Not everyone mm. does. Mm. So back in the day, you could say French victories and um, humans gamed Google. So it would recommend, did you mean French defeats? Yeah. And it's it's patently false. I just I have to set the record straight. Um the French army is known to have won a lot of things. I know, Jess, I know we can disagree about this, but I mean, you're, you're, we only your remember, accent, we only so remember Waterloo and yeah, that's it. <laughs> but truly it, it still creeps in. And this is why I'm here today. I really don't like the fact that we, we have situations where, for example, Lydia Infante was sharing on Twitter saying, hey, I type in SEO expert. And in terms of entities, like this is what pops up. There's like this, this answer box that's listing all this. And there's all these men, no women to be seen, no non-binary folks to be seen. Apparently, an SEO expert is just a dude. Mm -hmm. And we got to talking about how would you fix that? So, for example, if you disagree with that list, how would you do it? And I can pass it on because this this is a really nice discussion so marco how would you start so first of all i mean let's start with the basics writing the actual article so first step having some material doing actually doing it second of course the usual stuff so building backlinks of course you need some links some way so posting on social media having some social buds to give signals, even though they are not direct ranking factors, you need something to show Google that you have some sort of consensus. Even though we don't know for sure, I would do it because it's free. There, there is no risk in sharing something to social media. Once I have that, of course, I would probably complete also, no, this can also be done before, whenever I read the article, like implement some schema, have details about some of these people or link to their websites, like to some sources where I can say, for instance, Lily Ray is an SEO consultant based in this. She did this and that. Maybe not boring like that. More juicy, more interesting, but the details will be there with some numbers, some awards, some external sources to feed Google and say, look, these are other links, other websites, other domains where you can get this information, right? So one article, of course, would not be enough. It's not like you pick a fresh domain and you rank tomorrow. So probably I would just do it on a website that is not super aged, but relevant to the topic. So relevant to SEO specifically, to SEO services or recommendations. I mean, it's not very hard in my opinion. The only objection that people can do is that, but if the consensus for Google is white dudes or Americans, because usually it's not even white, it's American or English, or sometimes Indian, then how would you convince Google? So this is an house objection. And I would say that you do it by creating buzz and by having even more, in my opinion, even more than one domain, even though they are puppets for your main website, because it works. I know it's not recommended, but if you have three domains, you, you put the same people, the same entities, Google at some point will tell, look, the, this girl has to be reliable. You are describing algorithmic propaganda. Yeah. This is where I think the, the knowledge graphs are, are very 
uh, very they they, they 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 mirror society so very very well. I mean, it's not as if uh, propaganda hasn't been a massive great big thing. Not just in recent elections from the the Brexits and the uh, and the U.S. elections and, and and these these things, but you know they were that propaganda goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. You know, uh, I mean, I can't believe when I look at my history books, I can't believe that the that the English. Uh, look uh, back on Henry VIII fondly. I mean, he was a nightmare. He sat there, he he, he, he sacked the monasteries, he killed half his wives, uh, he, uh, he uh, decided to create his own church, and, and, and yet the Tudors are seen as, you know, as, as something, you know, nostalgic. It's a, it's a, a terrible indictment of society, but that's the way that knowledge graphs grow. Sorry. Miriam or Jess? Jess and I were discussing something similar to this. One of the elements we would add to Marco's recommendations is get controversial because it's an attention economy, right? So if you get controversial, people will respond. So that signals quite a few things. But getting controversial uh, and getting your facts wrong are in danger of, uh, of, of changing, changing the truth. Because because truth is only a perception anyway. I think that's the really interesting thing about Google is Google has this place between they want to provide the truth, but they also want to make their users happy. And the truth isn't something that necessarily is going to make users happy. Um, one thing with the Lydia Infante situation that I thought was interesting is the list of dudes that came up was sourced from a very specific blog article where someone had basically sourced other lists and then put his uh, himself as the number one best SEO. Um, and that was what Google was using as a source for this featured snippet. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was well SEOed as an article, but it definitely... Uh, it was very clear, it was ordered, it was like had pretty good HTML structure. And I think the other thing is it included stuff from other lists. So Google thought it was building on the consensus mm -hmm. rather than breaking away from it. So if I wanted to include some women in my tech SEO list, I would probably include a sub list of these are the people you will always see and then add extra because saying that lets Google kind of understand I'm not here without like two out there ideas, but I have some new stuff and you want to diversify your results. So promote me. So I, I, I want to come on and ask about what kind of data sets Google trusts then in a, in a second. But I'll just just uh, say thanks to Yusuf, who's in the in the group for saying basically AI is not perfect. Um, uh, and uh, Monty is in there you know, pointing out that technology is made by humans and it's bound to have mistakes and bias. Uh, and uh, and we Jack Jack we've already mentioned in there as well. So thanks thanks guys for for, for jumping in and putting putting your thoughts in there. But given that. Um, given that we've talked about bias so much, I think it's probably a good place to jump in uh, and ask about data sets that, um, well, firstly, data sets that 
uh, Google may trust or may not trust, uh, and then data sets that you trust or may not trust, uh, mm -hmm. because you know, do you trust the ones that the, the, the Google trusts? I mean, the one that I I I know that Google trusts is Wikipedia because uh, it it, uh, it it used Wikipedia or stated that they used Wikipedia as a training set when it started to build its knowledge graph, um, and uh, and I still believe that they do that today. The reason I think it's quite a good data source is because it's it's automatically human moderated, so it's effectively um, self supervising, uh, but um, but it still has huge amounts of bias in 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 there. Um, you know, if you go for famous peers, you don't have the Ethiopia Addis Ababa peer, which is a massive, great big peer and a huge one, but it's got Brighton peer, which is a tiny little town. Um, so there's a there's a, a big difference from from there. Um, Miriam? I have to staunchly disagree about Wikipedia for one very big reason. Um, there is a genuine problem going on with history um, being erased and rewritten mm -hmm. based on sources that are, are included and seem legitimate in Wikipedia, but are not. If you go down that rabbit hole and you actually follow each reference and you end up on the end document, you're like, this is far right. Nazi mm -hmm. propaganda. So there is mm -hmm. quite a lot of, uh, there are quite a few entries in Wikipedia today regarding World War II and the Holocaust that are actively being rewritten and are, and every time you try to intervene or provide proper documentation and historical sources, you're, you're being erased. Like it, it's a genuine <laughs> problem that we see. So when we're talking about how to train AI and like how to get machines to hear us, Quite a few humans have figured out how that works. Mm -hmm. Quite a few humans are doing it down low. <clears throat> but then that brings you back to the question of what uh, what data sets do you think Google should be using? May, yeah. May I yeah. So, of course, the basic Wikipedia, but not just Wikipedia, because actually MDB or, you know, these big aggregators of information, databases, of course, have a lot of useful data for a search engine, that, that's how I would do. I would just pick aggregators. As Miriam said, unfortunately, Wikipedia is not the only one. There are usually missing information, mistake, some info doesn't exist on the web. I have an example. If you look from you know, some forms of art, even movies or some super niche stuff, there are no Wikipedia pages. Maybe mm -hmm. MDB is complete. How do you fix that? You don't. You need some human to tell, look, in the 70s, there was this movie with these attributes and you are missing them. So usually Google uses MDB, Wikipedia, or these sort of websites, I'm quite sure, as, mm -hmm. as seed sites. And I also think that if you, are, if you are in a domain, let's say laptops or something like that, tech, of course, they will have a list because we know from the patents, of course, I'm not saying that the patents are the absolute Bible. There are some, some stuff is not implemented. But for sure, they have a list or something like that, where they say, with these words, in this context, these websites have more trust. I consider, I don't know, um, this website, like TechMag, to be more reputable compared to your new domain for this and this reason. So maybe we don't understand them, but... I, and I think that trust. I think you mentioned where well, you you said it, and I and I absolutely agree that that trust is in context. There's no way that 
you know, Bill Gates is uh, trustworthy when it comes to pop music. You know, that is not his forte. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Miriam? I, or Jess? I, Miriam now, and then Jess. Now I'm, I'm obsessed with I want Bill Gates to give his top 10 pop songs. But um, it, what I find interesting about this, and I need to provide some context to this, um, I went to school for not SEO. It was not a diploma. It was not something taught in schools when I got started. And what I was interested in was sociology. So I, I think about these things quite a lot and how they relate. Because first and foremost, I think Jeannie had a very good point with entities. Like as human beings, one of the things that sets us apart from many other species is that if I tell you the word table right now, you will have an understanding of what a table is. Okay. It's, it's right there. You get it. Okay, that's what we're trying to teach to machines. Okay, but when it comes to data sources, um, one of the theories that I really, really like in sociology is the two-step flow of communication. So the two-step flow of communication is <clears throat> you automatically think that, you know, a big fire hose of information coming to you, mass media, is going to go straight to people's brains. But that's not the truth. Most people will look to opinion leaders to people they trust, to filter this information and relay it to them. That's why we have an epidemic of people going, well, I know this. And you're like, but how do you know? Who told you? And how did they learn that? And there's no information. It goes, because of the two-step flow, we choose to trust certain opinion leaders. And when it comes to data sources, I see it the same way. I mean, personally, I wouldn't trust IMDB. A lot of people lie on their ages on there quite a lot. But this is how we operate, and this is how we are teaching machines to operate as well. This is also a bias we have to be aware of. Go on, Jess. Stop it. Yeah, um, and to kind of build off that, I think there is no – like, Google cannot trust one data source by itself, like, is the fundamental thing. Google can't trust Wikipedia by itself, like – because I was thinking about a large part of the Scots Wikipedia a few years ago was discovered to have been written by an American teenager who didn't know any Scots. Like it, they can't trust it alone. They can't trust any data sources alone because all of them have biases, blind spots, things that they're going to get wrong. There's a, like a logical fallacy about, a newspaper reading where you read an article about something you know really well and you're like this is complete nonsense these people don't know what they're talking about and you turn the page and read something about particle physics and you're like oh this is really interesting and it's because <laughs> no one can get that clarity across all things which is why google uses ml because they can cluster and discard outliers and as long as the things they are clustering don't all have the same biases or the same blind spots, they're going to get more consistent results. But the second a hundred of their sources say the moon is made of Swiss cheese, Google starts to think the moon is made of Swiss cheese. Um, and I did an experiment to try and generate a featured snippet on a question that didn't make sense with an answer that didn't make sense. And Google doesn't, because Google didn't have enough information to cluster about it, it could only rely on the sources 
that had that question and answer paired. Mm. And that was me and a bunch of sites that I created that were all lying about it collectively. Um, yeah. And this is why, like, thinking about language and information in terms of clustering can be useful when you're doing SEO. It's because if you know the cluster you're trying to inhabit, you can produce more trust. So how does so how does Google cluster that information then? So how do they, you know, how do they decide the difference between um, uh, the one the one that in my head at the moment is a Mustang car and a Mustang horse? Uh, you know, uh, what what is the important cluster? What's the overriding cluster that that, that Google might say? Well, this this is talking about a horse and this one's talking about a car. I mean, I think this is a good genie question, but. I, you know, it's it's entities, it's knowledge panels, it's <laughs> taking that content and going, well, these are the terms that exist mostly here. This is the kind of knowledge graph information that leads into this. Um, your horses are going to have a lot of stuff about stables and saddles. Um, and your Mustangs are going to have a lot of stuff about going real fast. Like, I guess they both have real fast, is that? So that's. <laughs> yeah, and they then like they have prices for the car. Yeah, I, I, I chose a bad one because that's this is the subject of my talk next week. And <laughs> so I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> choose, choose another example, uh, Jeannie. But I mean, how, how, when you see a text of page that's got, got a, something out of context, how does that, uh, you know, what, what tends to happen? Yeah. I mean, I was reading today about um, like uh, someone, I think it was literally on the news, Haaland, the, the football player, and Haaland, oh, yeah. the place in... in uh, mm, Yes, Haaland, a place, a place, in, the place. A Halland, <laughs> in, in, in a place in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's so, 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 yeah, yeah. the um, guy from Visit uh, Haaland. Yeah, yeah, got completely mixed up, and now even when you're typing, but, but, uh, they got mixed up because people were typing the wrong things, even though they had the intention of uh, looking for the football player, or no, even if they have the. So they were they were getting the mixed up by one letter. Um, also, the, the context of the fact that the World Cup is coming up is not helping. So it's looking like they're, you know, they're indistinguishable to Google. When actually what Google is doing, in my opinion, I think is, is taking into account the weight of, of the context of not only what it knows and its data set within, you know, the difference between and how likely is it that they would be looking for these things, but also like the it it's so like constantly updating itself on on trends that are going on at the minute so the fact that the world cup is coming up means that the context of this is completely different and one thing i was also going to say is um in terms of this uh i think you said something the, the moon is made of like cheese and, and cheese. as soon as somebody says that the whole thing goes out of the way i think part of machine learning is annoyingly that it's just we're just going to have to wait for ages until we fix these data sets because then you know every time you have a bad connection it still has a more meaningful connection now that we've talked about it you know so we we've gone like this is a lie and then we can think about, okay, now that entity has a whole separate cluster of entities where, where you go like, oh, people are talking about lies. And that's a connection in itself that Google has to take into account 
and that's going to come over time from the things that we're talking about on these podcasts and stuff is like we create these new things and layers of understanding um so yeah it's it's just a really difficult one so i guess it back to how it goes you can tell the difference between Mustang horse, Mustang. Yeah, car Lisa, is... Lisa Stansbury uh, asked, you know, on that on that example, aren't they looking at adjacent words in the sentence to create context? You know, re Mustang horse and car, and I don't think that's uh, I think that's what used to happen. And they certainly, you know, they've got this Bert and they read things forwards and backwards and stuff. But uh, to my mind now, and everyone can disagree with me, I think it's much more about. The concepts that are used with on that on on that page of content, or even that paragraph of content, will or even uh, that that website of content, mm. because we're using internal links now to uh, add context. So it does. It's not even. It's not limited to just that site. Uh, sorry, that page anymore. It's limited to okay. Every time this person is talking about a car, they're linking to this Mustang page, which therefore mm. is actually training it in a way to figure out that that's about a car if you were talking about mustang and then it didn't quite get it from that actual page but all the internal links going to it from the other parts of your page were about horses i think Mm. it would make a significant difference to the so so if there's a a lawyer's site sorry just i'll bring you in in a second so you're saying if there's a lawyer's site uh, and and the site is all about lawyers then when the word marriage comes in it's got a completely different context to when it's about you know um my 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 husband and I yeah okay Jess I just wanted to add to that and say I think even beyond internal links like if a million barn sites linked to a page about a Mustang car I think that would confuse the entity like understanding of that page because you've got a lot of very powerful signals saying this is something to do with barns this is something to do with horses horse shoes um and that's sometimes not even something you can control like and that could be a dangerous thing so if you buy a domain that has had a history um then uh, and and you 301 it you may be doing yourself a complete disservice because of because of the legacy links if they if um, it's different go on a quick question it's almost like a, a i wonder how long it will take or even if it's if someone can enlighten us about if they're already if it's already happening, of uh, Google having your data anyway, of what things you tend to look at a lot, and then that also being a factor in topical authority. So in, in like not even hard coding it with a link, but actually just memorizing your history, figuring out what authority you might be looking for, and then recording that and like you know well, it's they, all part of they things. definitely do that and, and a good example of that is if you've got an android phone in google discover so google discover is you know showing you things about hiking because you went hiking and those kind of things so so yeah google is is yeah, surfacing yeah. news that but i mean obviously- i mean more than that in terms of like like actually it being becoming part of the, the the footprint of your actual site and the the authority that it has like that's kind of put the onus on the on the visitor to get those kinds of things but i wonder if i don't know it's just an interesting thing to think about of i I, I i personally think that google spends a lot of time looking at you know trying using your search history as a if they if they're, if you if you've given it permission using your search history to help you 
get, you know, to help understand what you mean when you type in a few words in the query. But I know other SEOs completely disagree with me on that one. So I'm not going to, uh, to ram it down through anyone's throats here um, today. Um, I, I want to talk about this for hours now but uh because it's one of my favorite uh favorite talks and, and actually you know we spent a lot of time on good bias in the knowledge graph which is a pet pet favorite cons- conversation for me but we're pretty much close to time already so um i i don't want to you know I, I before 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 we just before we wrap up maybe i can go around the room uh, and you know, get a get a second tip. I mean, we had a number of questions we didn't get to today. You know, if there's something else that you think you should share with everybody before we go, um, I think that would be a good thing because uh, I don't want to uh, to to put words in in, in people's mouths. Uh, Marco, can you come up with a, a, a something else about machine learning that we haven't discussed so far? Yeah. Okay. Actually, it's an, maybe it's no. Probably it's not about machine learning. It's more about analytics and systems. No, for yeah. your workflow. So especially for content websites, in my opinion, when you are describing a huge topic or a very broad topic, like laptops, super generic one, sometimes scraping Wikipedia or any, especially competitors with TextRisor or everything, even e-links, whatever you want, that detects entities is a great idea because I found that something, even if I am super knowledgeable about a topic, I miss some details, some attributes, or maybe some sub-facts that I, I simply didn't know that maybe are important for Google, but not for you as a human. Jeannie, you got anything to add on to there? Well, I guess mine could build on that in in a, in a way of, uh, to put a name on it, like flooding the niche in, with everything that you possibly can is a really great way to demystify content for Google. So if you want people to understand that you are talking about cats or cat food or something like that you need to talk about everything related to it well you don't need to but it's a it's a good idea to um with with supporting content and that can come from figuring out which entities are related and and how relevant they are in in different contexts you're saying that that by default helps to show that you are an authority in that subject matter yeah absolutely Miriam, do you want to add anything there? Yes. So something um, we talk about quite often with Marco is how exhausting it, it how exhausting it can all be because it's an economy of scale. Like you just, Jeannie just said it. You have to flood the market. Marco was explaining you have to scrape at scale some things. So one of the shortcuts that we we can take as SEOs build a brand. If you're not a massive company, if you don't have an unlimited budget. What can you do to send these signals? Build a brand. This genuinely helps. And make your brand associated with a topic cluster. Otherwise, oh, absolutely. You, know. you don't, nobody builds a brand just to build a brand, I hope, except the Kardashians. <laughs> they make well, a lot of money. Yeah, they do all right. Yeah. <laughs> Jess, what about you? Any, any uh, last thoughts? Obvious manipulation with AI and algorithms. Um, places which they are like the engineers miss other kinds of things that get like well that kind of manipulation dies out quickly if you're trying to manipulate things that have obvious fixes and rely on them like that isn't the kind of thing that is sustainable if you want to manipulate ai 
do it in a way that builds and manipulates the stuff that it's trying to get to. Guys, I really do appreciate you guys coming on. I really would like to uh, to, to talk more. Uh, so before we before I hand back to David to talk us about the next session, um, if people want to ask you more, um, how do they get hold of you, Jess? Why don't start with you? Where, where do they get hold of you? I'm on only Twitter. if you want them to. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter too much. I'm Jess the BP um, on Twitter. Excellent. Me. It's fine. Okay, that's brilliant. Miriam, where do they find hold of you? Find you? Exactly like Jess said, I'm on Twitter way too much and I should stop, but you can find me at Miriam Jessier or on LinkedIn, Miriam Jessier. Okay, and Jessier is spelled, so Miriam is spelled with a Y, M-Y-R-I-A-M, and Jessier, J-E-S-S-I-E-R. That's for, for people that can't see the uh, see yes. a screen. Ginny, how about you? Well, I'm not sure how long I'll be on Twitter anymore now Elon has taken over, but uh, <laughs> you can find me there at Jeannie R. Jones, um, that's G-E-N-I-E. And Excellent. also probably the best one is LinkedIn though. Um, okay, so uh, Jeannie, Jeannie with a Jeannie. like that. <laughs> okay, and uh, Marco, how can they find, how, find you? Twitter, my handle is in Ita Alf in Italian, so I don't know if it is very clear. But LinkedIn first, just don't sell me bad backlinks. Please, oh, okay. something good at least. So Marco is M-A-R-C-O, and then Giordano is G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. Oh. Okay, brilliant, guys. Thanks very much. David, uh, brilliant conversation today, and I'm sure it could have gone on for for twice as long. Uh, but thank you very much uh, for uh, for producing it. What have we got um, next time round? Yeah, absolutely. You can tell it was a wonderful conversation simply by the fact that the listener, the, the viewer numbers, the live viewer numbers went up and up during the conversation. So everyone stuck around and more people arrived as well. So that's a wonderful sign to see. So um, next month, or should I say actually the very last day of this month on November the 30th, uh, we'll have a special webinar that actually previews the launch of the SEO in 2023 book. So you may remember that last year I interviewed 66 um, leading SEOs on their thoughts on SEO in 2022. Done the same thing again. In fact, um, interviewed 101 SEOs on their thoughts on SEO in 2023. That book is being launched at the beginning of December and we're going to have a webinar as part of the Old Guard New Blood um, series to discuss the launch of that new book and, and get a few of the contributors on as well. So that'll be on and November you, the third. You're, you're going to give me a, 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 a pre-launch a pre copy, aren't you? So I could, I've got, I'm organised before that one. Aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely. The initial version of the book has already been produced. Um, all I need to do is, um, is, is write the opening thoughts, closing thoughts, um, maybe a little bit of editing, but we're nearly there in terms of the book itself. So it, it will be ready um, for the beginning of December. It will be um, getting you a, a copy, of course, Dixon, and getting all the contributors a copy as well. Um, so I just want to say that that particular episode is going to be on November the 30th. It's at 12, time, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. GMT. Um, so if you can, go to majestic.com slash webinars and sign up, and hopefully we'll see you there. Guys, thanks very much for coming on. Absolutely delightful to have you all on and thanks for the really interesting chat conversation. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.